Hi there, I'm Mike Pereira, and he's Michael Clark, and together we're the hosts of Mid-Credit Scene, a podcast about movies. And this is a Mid-Credit Minute, a kind of bonus mini-episode where we talk about big important things, like snacks, double features, and more. In this episode, Michael and I talk franchises, diminishing returns, and whatever happened to -to direct-to-DVD. Because Jurassic Park is my favorite movie, I have to live with um, the fact that Jurassic Park might be one of the worst franchises um, in modern cinema. The the um, and I was reading an article about this the other day. Like, what is the um, what is the worst franchise in terms of the the reduction in quality for every subsequent entry? Yeah, uh, like Jaws is a pretty good contender. Thankfully, there's only four of them. Um, you know, Police Academy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't <laughs> wait for that Jaws reboot. Um, uh, but Jurassic Park has a has a potential claim to the throne of like every time they make another one of those movies, it's less necessary than the last. Well, and, and, you know, I remember uh, years ago, somebody had made this argument, and I think it's probably been surpassed potentially by by a number of movies. But at, at a certain, when it came out, somebody argued that Sex and the City 2 might be the worst movie ever made. And, and they were like, bull claim, but hear me out, yeah. because they were like, it has no excuse for not being awesome. Right. Like, it had a massive budget. They, were go- they went and filmed in, like, Dubai. Yeah. It had a proven cast with a well-established track record of this franchise doing incredible work. It had a proven director, writer, like everything about this movie had no, nothing held it back. And they were like, some movies are held back by talent, by budget, by most often budget, uh, by distribution, by marketing, whatever. Like there's all kinds of reasons something might go wrong. And they were like, no, nothing stood in the way of this film being great. Yeah. And it's it's really not great. And I was like, this is the thing with the like the latest Jurassic Park. I'm like, these are money. Like people have not been like divesting from this. Like you look at something like Police Academy. It's like by the time they got the sixth one, like I think it was almost direct to video. Like yeah, you know, like it's like resources have been pulled away and they have been stripped down and pushed down. But I was like, this is a tentpole franchise. It has probably a nearly unlimited budget if it wants it's got a proven cast like nothing should be standing in the way of jurassic world dominion being the best movie in the year yeah and yet and and like normally like back in back in the the 70s and the 80s you would have you would have those like incredibly long franchises um but you would always be able to to cut it off and say like, well, after the you know the fourth one, they all just went direct to video. Like all of those horror franchises, um, Hellraiser. You know, after the the third one, they just stopped releasing in the theaters. And you're you're you lower your expectations when when you hear that something is direct to video. You're like, I understand. They filmed this for twelve dollars in a, a Vancouver warehouse, and that's it. Um, but and so you could have there could have been a world where like after Jurassic Park 3 they just kept making Jurassic Parks they got released direct to DVD 
and they just got progressively worse and worse and worse. Uh, and that's not what happened here. Like, they stopped, they took a break, they came back. The first Jurassic World broke the Avengers record for largest box office, um, at, like, ever, I think, maybe. That's the way it went. Avengers you might be right. World. Um, like, they've got a cast that is relatively well known as you say like an unlimited budget it's it and the oh here we go fantastic or not fantastic four no that's not the words i'm looking for fast and the furious once again bringing it up on this podcast um like those are the only franchises that universal has right now that are active um mm. and yet they just suck and I'm not a big person. I believe that all art is subjective and that you cannot make definitive statements about uh, the quality of movies because there's always going to be someone out there who loves a movie that another person hates. Uh, and so I am not uh, saying that conclusively, 100% consensus, Jurassic World Dominion uh, is uh, a terrible film. Uh, but, like, it's not good. Uh, that is my that is my firmly held opinion, um, and that seemed to be the consensus opinion with 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 other folks too. Um, and if you love it, more power to you. Absolutely, sit down and and love the heck out of that thing. Uh, Raptors in Milan, uh, way to go. Um, but I, I I knew I knew it wasn't good when my uh, we we were you know out east for a bit and uh, my my friends. Uh, eight-year-old son cautioned me that that dominion wasn't good and i was like if an eight-year-old yeah is is being like it's not good like they made some bad decisions he t he said to me eight years old they made some bad decisions in this movie like they don't even make sense the the best critiques, <laughs> that that's that that also tells you where our culture is where where eight year olds uh, are now speaking with the same uh, level of like insider uh, knowledge that used to be reserved for for film critics. Um, the 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 best critique and it's not a critique it was just someone explaining the plot was they're like apparently uh, the dinosaurs are just all over the world uh, and my question is how did they get there because. Uh, most can't swim and they don't breed that fast uh and the, the answer to that is there there is no answer uh it's, it's fine um yeah look i mean there there are probably just reasons like yeah. you know something they they're boats i mean how do zebra mussels get into the Ontario it's... lakes Right? Uh, that that is absolutely. I think you know what you you say that, and I think that might actually be the plot hook in the original novel. That the like, uh, in the original Michael Creighton book, the raptors are like clinging onto the side of a ship that has left the island, and they have to like contact the mainland and tell them that killer dinosaurs are on this boat before it reaches the mainland, and so yeah. they have like an artificial time restraint you. in the book. I lost you. Back? No? Damn. Wait. Apparently it's me. Yeah, you never froze up at all. Apparently it's me. I don't know what's happening. Sorry. 
No, 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 it's all right. Well, you're recording, so hopefully it is not an issue. It's still saying I have really good internet. I don't know what's going on. Weird. This laptop. Anyways, yes. Yeah. Anyway. Raptors clean to boats. Like, yeah. Uh, this is, I, now I have this vision of like, you know, like, there's just like a, like a, you know, like a boat, like an old fishing boat or something. And there's a guy with like a broom trying to whack a raptor <laughs> off. He's like, yeah. Damn things are on the side of the boat again. Steve, get it's the that, rake. It's the uh, the Simpsons episode where they go to the Australia uh, to Australia, and at the end of the episode, the koala is clinging to the underside of the helicopter. <laughs> exactly, it's like that. That's exactly how the raptors got around. I don't know about anything larger than a raptor. Like if if, if like a brachiosaurus got, uh, I don't know how that gets across land. Smugglers, just a, just, just a whale reaching and on its back is a is a brachiosaurus just chilling out riding the waves yeah this is the <laughs> mosasaurus gave everybody a lift yeah um but this is a good prompt for our listeners listeners uh let us know on twitter or uh i don't know shout at us from the side of the street if you see us uh what do you think the the uh, franchise with the most depreciating returns uh is um because it, there are a lot of franchises out there and, and not a lot of them can sustain themselves over multiple films. Uh, Mike, do you have any, any um, instincts uh, as to what? Uh, I mean, there are so many because like, you know, like growing up in the eighties and nineties, like, like you said, like everything just sort of had like, I mean, Disney was famous for this, right? Like, you know, Aladdin, the return of Jafar. It was like, I was like, really? Yeah. Like, and no one cares. Right. But they were like, whatever. It was like, all of the Disney like classics had these like, you know, direct to DVD market or direct to VHS yeah. plans, right? So there's like, you know, there's like a Lion King part three that no one really talks about, um, right? Yeah. But it's out there. There's like several Aladdin movies. I'm sure yeah. there's like, you know, the betrayal of Abu where <laughs> a little monkey turns on Aladdin. <laughs> Probably out there. It's pro. It probably is. I think a couple of them were prequels too. I think I seem to remember my sisters having a couple of those, and a few of them were prequels because like the movie resolved in such a way. I think Beauty and the Beast had some like midquels because they couldn't have a movie set before Beauty and the Beast, and they couldn't have one set after, so they had to like make additional movies set during the movie Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, right. Like, you know, it's like kind of like, well, listen, she was it she was there for a long time and like yeah. it seems like things wrapped themselves up maybe a little quickly. Probably there was some other stuff that just didn't happen uh, on the screen. Like, yeah. You know, it's it's it, that sure, that sounds good. Like This is this is why every movie includes a montage so that if you have to, you can go and set another movie in the middle of the montage. What, one of my favorite examples of that is uh, is the the Born Ultimatum, where like a good chunk of the Born Ultimatum takes place between, like the the end. It, it sort of it takes place between the last two scenes mm -hmm. in the Born Supremacy, and uh, they kind of do a neat job of like sort of filling in a bit of a weird gap. I remember being really impressed by that in the theater when I like as I'm sitting down and I realize what they're doing and I'm like that is clever. Yeah, That's I really I thought it was great. I it was actually one of the things I I really loved the way that they did the the second two of those movies like 
but then again, probably not as bad on the diminishing returns, but like the last born movie that came out, like I, I think you and I talked about this once, like it felt like such a retread mm. that I actually had forgotten that I'd already seen it. And like for 45 minutes, I was like, have I seen this? It seems awfully familiar, but also very forgettable. Not um, many people know that in that last one, he actually works for retreadstone. Um, what? Dude, I'm the one with kids. I get the dad jokes, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Stay in your lane. You have Muppets. I have bad jokes. <laughs> uh. Don't miss our latest episode where Michael and I look back on the last year of producing Mid-Credits Scene and what we're hoping for in Season 2. The show can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Scene, and you can email us at midcreditscenepod at gmail.com. See you at the movies. <laughs>